continuing our series through, uh, well, through the story of Joseph, really looking at a series that we've called Resilient. Resilient. Uh, that we would be a people of resilience, that would hold strong to the promises of the Lord when life takes a bit of a detour, or we find ourselves in the pit or a dark and lonely place, that we would stay resilient. Joseph shows us the way of resilient living. So we're diving into this story until the end of the year. Uh, Last week, we looked at Genesis 37, and we called the talk Family Matters. At the offset of the Joseph narrative at chapter 37, we see the dysfunction of Joseph's family with his brothers, the hate that consumed them, and uh, this behavior of favoritism being displayed by his father, Jacob, uh, and how destructive this was. After an account of Judah and Tamar in chapter 37, we pick up again in chapter 39 of Genesis, and we're going to be reading from chapter 39. And I wonder... Pete, while you're standing, could you dish out some Bibles, please? Let's give Pete a wee round of applause for doing. This is a noble task. I do take a lot of thought as to who's going to do this. So if you don't have a Bible with you, put your hand up, and we'd love you to take a Bible. And if you don't have one at home, please take a Bible as a gift from us. We'd love you to have a Bible in your home. And we're going to be reading Genesis chapter 39. And it's about that far into your Bible. Let's read. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to her, look, oh, I've lost my place there. See, I shouldn't have lifted my head. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out to the house, she called her household servant. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. 
When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warder put Joseph in charge of all those who held all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. This is the wor- your word, living word, and it's a gift to us. And we pray that it speaks life and light into our lives by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have, myself and my wife, she's through in Vineyard Kids this morning. Uh, we have three wonderful boys. And it's full on. Life is full on. Life is full on. That's all I wanted to share. Life's full on. Our house is tailored especially for the family. We have things to play with, things to read. We have a garden full of all sorts of outdoor fun, bedrooms of all sorts of toys and characters and books for the boys to read. Then we have the kitchen, which is safety-proofed to an inch of itself. We've got all the, the chocolate up high so they can't get to it, or so we think. We have safety clips on the doors, the precious things up high, the sweets locks and bo- locked and bolted. We don't do proper bowls. We do uh, the indestructible ones, the unbreakable bowls. They're literally known as unbreakable bowls. We searched Amazon for unbreakable bowls, and that's what they're called. Uh, so when we bought them, this is more me than the boys, we thought we need to test these unbreakable bowls. So we stood in the hall, and boy, did we try to break these bowls. Uh, we like a challenge when some, something like that, we're like, we're going to check, we're going to test this. And uh, we lobbed them all over the hall and just unbreakable. They do what they say. They look brand new after our, temp, our attempts. And we're like, what is this made of? Who made them? These are incredible. They're not usually, when we think of bowls, they're not usually resilient, are they? And we can testify to that. That's why we bought the unbreakable bowls. And there's this, this clash of qualities or attributes for this bowl. It's something that should be known to be so fragile. Yet it has this resilient, unbreakable quality to it at the heart. And these two things kind of coexist. It's meant to smash, but it doesn't. You know, if we know Jesus, we have the same. A fragility in jars of clay. Yet at the strength, we have strength of Jesus at the very core. Paul, the Apostle Paul speaks in 2 Corinthians 4 of having treasure in jars of clay. Something so fragile, yet not crushed. Not driven to despair. Not destroyed. In spite of what we face. It's a beautiful picture. We will face the valleys. We will face tough times. We will face dark moments, but we are not defeated. 
when we have Jesus, our indestructible hope. When we do take hits that hurt, that knock us, we're not invincible, we still feel it. We don't look to the world, but we look to Jesus. What a hope. What a hope we have in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are with us in all of life's turmoils and despairs. And that's the title of my talk this morning. He is with you. He is with you. You are not alone. I see it often with my boys when we're doing things that bring a little bit of fear or they're feeling a little bit anxious or it's the unknown or we're stepping into firsts, the first time doing something. Maybe it's a trip to the dentist. Maybe it's wild swimming. Maybe it's jumping into the water. Maybe it's the middle of the night when I get into the bottom bunk and I, and I say, Dad's with you. Don't worry. Dad's with you. Don't worry. Sometimes they can see me when I say that. Sometimes they don't even need to see me. They just hear those words. I'm with you. Don't worry. And it's like they breathe that in. They receive it. As little boys, I see it and it's precious. That truth and that reassurance just lands. Something lands in their being. They're like, it's okay. Dad's here. It's okay. It's evident with Joseph in this passage. There's several spaces and places where there's temptation and destruction could prosper, overwhelm and take him out, yet it doesn't. And it's a brilliant, timely reminder for each and every one of us in the situations that we face, we never, ever, ever go into them alone. I was reminded of a Chris Tomlin classic worship song, and I was going through my notes this morning, and I sung it in the kitchen, and I was like, I'm definitely not going to do that when I'm speaking, because it was like, <laughs> the words are, I know who goes before me, I know who stands behind, the God of angel armies is always by my side. It's a tune, you should check it out on Spotify or any other good streaming apps, after church today. We see in this short passage four very clear uh, reminders that in everything going on in Joseph's life, the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 3, the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 23, the Lord was with Joseph. Some of us maybe need to be reminded the Lord is with you. It's a good reminder. He's not going anywhere. He's not sussing you out. You don't need to prove yourself. You don't need to make it up to Him. He's with you right now. If we know Him as Savior and friend, His Spirit is coursing through your veins right now. Wow. Wow. And we're not to forget that. There's a couple of things that I want to draw from the passage this morning. That He is with you. The first one is He is with you when life takes a sudden detour. I went to university many moons ago, 20, over 20 years ago now I started university. I don't like saying things like that. Oh, I wanted to be an interpreter. That's what I wanted to do. I studied French, German, and Spanish for the first two years of uni. I like to believe somewhere in my brain those languages are lurking and something will be unlocked where I could speak them all right now to you. They're somewhere there. They're somewhere there. But uh, when I was in uni, I ended up halfway through dropping them and taking business 
and human resources as my degree. And I remember halfway through my uni degree, my parents phoning me and saying, we're moving to Inverness. I was like, what? My dad was a Baptist minister, uh, so we moved a couple of places, but most of my child years were spent in a place called Vale of Leven near Loch Lomond. If you've never been to Loch Lomond, go to Loch Lomond. Beautiful place, beautiful place. And uh, it felt very abrupt when I got that phone call. It was like, yikes, we're moving to Inverness. More importantly, I was like, that's a bit of a long bus with all my dirty washing for coming home from uni. That's like a couple of megabuses. It's funny because in those years, and when I got that phone call, and when uh, we moved to Inver- when my family moved to Inverness, I was as distant from God as I'd ever been during my uni years, but he was still at work. I came up in uh, the bus to the induction service where my dad was being inducted to be the minister of the Baptist Church in Castle Street, and there was a lovely lady in the praise band, a lovely, a lovely young lady in the praise band called Mary. Our eyes locked and the rest was history. <laughs> That's where that move, that abruptness, that detour drew me back to the Lord, married to Mary, who's through next door. And I can say that God was most definitely with me in that sudden detour. As we look at Joseph in the passage, we see a young man who was loved by his father, who was doted on by his father. And as we've seen last week, it was actually in a really unhelpful manner. He was in a relatively comfortable position, although his brothers were hating him. Their blood was boiling. But from this, we see him thrown into a cistern to die. We see him then saved and thrust into slavery. We then see him getting sold to the Ishmaelites. We then see him disconnected from his father. We see him into the unknown, then bought by Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials. It's really a crazy story. And then in the mix of that craziness, God is in the very thick of it. He is with him. In verse 3, we read, he grants him favor. He is looked after. What I want to encourage us with this morning, in the abrupt and in the really tough and in the surprising, there is always a God design in the detours. He can and He will use it all. He is with us in it all. He doesn't leave us. John Piper, who's a famous pastor in the U.S., he says this, we look at life from the back side of the tapestry, from the other side of the tapestry. And most of the time, what we see, if you picture it, is loose threads, tangled knots. But occasionally, God's light shines through the tapestry, and we get a glimpse of the larger design with God weaving together the darks and lights of existence. I love that. I love that. I also found it telling in the passage and a reminder for us that people notice when God's moving in us. People notice, notice. When we cling to Him in the detours, people are watching. We see the master seeing the Lord was with Joseph. We see Potiphar seeing something different about this young man. There was favor granted, something different. In a space where defeat and dismay might be the natural reaction to this life-changing detour, this life-changing experience with seemingly little hope. Joseph was different and that he didn't make this the dominating narrative of his story. God was allowed to move in and through him. There was a yes there 
There was an openness. And God doesn't steamroll our, His way into our lives. We surrender. We give Him the steering wheel, and He moves as He wishes. So, I want to encourage us. He's with you in the sudden detours. He's with you in the job change. He's with you in the health challenge. He's with you in the sudden change of plans. He's with you in the unexpected bill. He's with you in the cancelled job promotion. He's with you in the family moving house. He's with you in the surprise health scare. wonder what our response is in the detours. Is it one of trusting and allowing God to move in and through us so that people see Him through us? He's with you in the sudden detours of life. Secondly, He's with you to help you hold fast and stay true. Has anybody here, before I start this story, been on a cruise before? Yeah, a couple of people. Anyone planning a cruise? Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tread quite carefully here. Uh, I watched a program on a holiday called Cruise Nightmares, <laughs> and I got sucked into watching it, and it shared all the horrors of going on a cruise from electrical faults to severe storms. And the storms were crazy. They were like water was coming in through the windows, kind of crazy. People were kind of swaying from side to side, holding on for dear life. And uh, I went on a bit of a nautical rabbit hole after watching this. And I found myself discovering this phrase, which is brilliant, hold fast, stay true. And I'll explain where the origins of this phrase came from. It's a nautical phrase that originated in the days of wooden sailing ships. In a storm, sailors would tell each other, hold fast, meaning to grab onto rigging or something solid and secure that had weathered previous storms to prevent being swept overboard. Hold fast, need to grab something, need to hold on to something that has been through that storm before. Stay true was the direction at the man at the helm to stay true to the compass to avoid heading off course. Stay true. Stay true. You know where you're meant to be headed. We see Joseph hold fast and stay true when Potiphar's wife was trying to sleep with him. In verse 9, he says, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? So he's grabbing on to God at this moment. He's holding fast. Hold fast. I'm holding on to you, God. Then in verse 10, we read, he refused to even be in our company. Knowing that she was being relentless in her pursuit, he'd done everything to, to stay true. He didn't want to head in the wrong direction or to a place that presented danger. Stay true. I know where I'm headed. Hold fast. I'm holding on to you, God. And we read that Potiphar's wife wrongly accuses him of attacking her and gets him sent to prison. And again, the Lord is with him. Hold fast. Stay true. I want to ask us, what are we holding on to when temptation comes? Or when we are put in compromising situations? Are there any unhelpful directions or places that we are headed that are not honoring to our marriages, to our families, to our friendships? Are there areas of temptation that we're not inviting God into? 
perhaps as I'm speaking, we see the direction right now in our minds that some interactions might be heading. And today is a reminder, hold fast, stay true. We see Joseph make the right decision with outcomes that actually aren't great to his overall picture. Because we see where he ends up. And I want to say to us, are we willing to make the right decisions even if it means that we lose status? status? Are we willing to make the right decisions even if it means we lose credibility? Are we willing to make the right decisions even if it costs us? We see with Joseph, his integrity is intact. And in this decision and the journey that he's on, the Lord's with him. That's where Joseph plants his feet. That's where he trusts. That's where he trusts. And could I always uh, also use this opportunity just to plug our life groups again? Because I think it's in these spaces that we don't build the storm shelter in the storm, but we build it before the storm. That we have people alongside us shouting, hold fast, stay true, grip a hold of that situation. Grip a hold of Jesus in that situation, Ashley. Hold fast to Jesus. Stay true, Emma. Keep in that direction. Keep heading for him. Are we speaking encouragement and life and truth into each other's lives? Because I don't know about you, but it's a faith grower when we step through those situations, when we hold fast and stay true. Holy Spirit just lands something in us that grows us, that makes us more resilient that we come out the other side of these situations. So if you're not in a group, I, I hope and I pray that you have those people in your lives that are saying, hold fast, stay true. It's a gift from the Lord. Let's use it. Let's use each other in that and be family. So he's with you to help you hold fast and stay true. And then just finally, he is with you and he has a plan. He is with you and he has a plan. I was watching this week on, we got a trial of Apple TV and there's a documentary called Welcome to Earth. I think it's called Welcome to Earth with Will Smith. And he's doing these most amazing things around the world. He goes to a volcano and he goes down into the volcano with a blind man, would you believe, who can't see, but it's just incredible. Which, uh, anyway, that's not the one I'm going to tell you about. We watched this one where he was uh, in this small capsule, 3,000 feet to the bed of the ocean to see what lives in the darkness of the ocean, and it was fascinating. And he said a few things which really struck a chord. Firstly, he said, man, the further down that we go, the smaller the light gets. It can be harder and harder to see the light. It shrinks before our very eyes when we're in the depths of the darkness, but everything's not lost. And then they do this amazing thing where by shining a certain kind of light on the bed of the ocean, a world of color appears. And we've seen thousands upon thousands. It's like rainbow colors shooting everywhere. And these organisms which are alive in the bottom of the ocean, which you wouldn't have seen otherwise. Creatures that they haven't even got names of yet. It was absolutely incredible. And he said two things off the back of that. He said, firstly, you can find color in the dark by shining the right light. I was like, oh. And then we were watching it. I got my phone out and I wrote that in my notes. I was like, oh, that's something there. You can find color in the dark by shining the right light. And then he said, and he only began to see truly what's in the ocean when he descended into the darkness. I was like, oh, there's another one. There's another one. 
What kind of light are we shining into the situations that we're facing? Is it truth filled from the Lord? His words? We might not even believe them in our pain. It might be so raw that we're like, I can't, I don't even know if I fully believe it, Lord, but I'm choosing to shine your light. Even when we're not seeing it or feeling him. And we'll find him. He's there. In our pain, we will find him. In the valley, we will find him. And I look at Joseph before, before he got sold and captured by his brothers. He kind of had it comfortable, but I think he only began truly to see the goodness of God when he descended into the darkness. It's like God became the most real in the most desperate of times. And that's often folks' story, isn't it? In the rawest of times, he shows us the most remarkable comfort and love and peace that's unexplainable. And I think there's something of that that steadies Joseph here, that centers him. Because we never read in this passage, Joseph was terrified. Joseph was afraid. God's with him. And he knows it. He knows it. He trusts. I want to encourage us. God is with you and has a plan. It's his plan, not ours. Are we willing to go along with it? Are we willing to trust are we willing to go all in and live in light of Him never leaving us? Because if we truly are, I think it begins an adventure where we really come alive and have that fragile resilience, that jars of clay resilience, never defeated, never driven to despair, never destroyed. Receive afresh his hope this morning. The hope of Jesus. He's with you. Receive that. In every space and place that you go into as you leave this building, he's with you. In everything that you are facing, in everything that you're struggling, the things you're struggling that you've never even spoken to anybody about, he knows and he's with you. What a promise. What a promise. He is with you when life takes a sudden detour and the surprises that this week's facing. I don't know, maybe some of you have come in this morning and had a bit of a detour moment. Maybe this year has been about detours and you're like, oh, any more detours and I'm done. He's with you. He's with you to help you hold fast. What are you holding on to? What are we holding on to? Stay true. Where are we headed? And then finally, he has a plan. Why don't we stand? Let's stand.